Russell Westbrook did it. 28 points, 21 assists, 13 rebounds, and 182 career triple-doubles, passing the great Oscar Robertson for the most in NBA history. Congratulations to you, Russell Westbrook. You are one of one. Unfortunately, that game ended on a little bit of a sour note for him. Missed a three-pointer at the buzzer. Could have won it for the Wizards and had a big impact on seeding purposes because the Pacers, even though they struggled a little bit with the shorthanded Cavs, come out with a win. Defense is getting better. It's a good sign for them. But they're fighting in the play-in tournament right now. Nine and ten with the Pacers on top. It's kind of like a little bit of a shuffle. On the other side, you had the Warriors coming out with a win over the Jazz. Shorthanded Jazz as well. No Mike Conley. No Donovan Mitchell. But a game-winning three by one Stephen Curry, who is continuing to make his onslaught towards the top of the scoring chain, leading currently by a half point on Bradley Beal, who had some comments for Kent Bazemore when Kent Bazemore was telling some things at the beginning of the game, pregame, I should say, that struck a nerve. That's not the only thing. We got the Spurs completely <laughs> ravaging the Bucks with an 87-point first half and going up by three games on my Sacramento Kings, whose dreams seem to be evaporating by the day. And much, much more. What's up, guys? Keep it at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, back with you once again for another episode as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Recording on a Tuesday late afternoon. A little different. So we're going to be doing this right before when uh, Tuesday's games happen. So we won't have those results for you as usual when this comes out on a Wednesday because we're not clairvoyant. But at the same time, we're going to be talking about the play-in again because there are a lot of tiebreaker situations going on, fighting for playoff positioning, seating, all that fun stuff. We're also going to talk about the bottom of the league because we haven't really talked about those teams and the race for the lottery. Going to go into that. Maybe dive in a little bit more into the Beal, Bazemore drama. Go into some favorable matchups that we would like to see in the postseason. All that fun stuff. So, Brian, I know that was a really long way to start this podcast, but I feel like it was a good preview. I think that you were just trying to drag out different things because while you may not be clairvoyant, I know that I am because I told you weeks ago that the Sacramento Kings were out of it, that they were not going to qualify for the play-in tournament. They were not going to get into the playoffs. The dream is not technically dead. They are three games back, but the problem is they need to win every single one of their games, which with their schedule is possible. The Spurs do have to still go through this gauntlet, but it is not in their favor that the Spurs won their last matchup effectively winning that tie-breaking game, which all but killed their dreams. It's a, it's a really, really tough, tough thing to make up. And uh, it was a fun game that the Kings played with the Spurs. 
uh, came down basically to the wire to those last two minutes. But ultimately, the Spurs pulled away. Lonnie, Rock, Lonnie Walker looked great. DeJounte Murray looked great. It was a real fun game. But alas, it looks like they're going to miss out on the postseason again. And I won't be getting my bedazzled hat. There's seven uh, and three in their last 10. They've come on, but too little, too late for your sack down Kings. Break out the cowbells for the Kings. They're going to be playing it a lot at home, listening to the echoes of their of the lottery balls bouncing around in their head as well as they once again hope to score there when it comes to the lottery and the hopes and dreams that come with the NBA draft. See, this is where we need a soundboard, Brian. This is where we need to hear the, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, it's like, it's like playing the legitimate lottery that you see on your local television every night. I told you it was going to be tough for the Kings because I mean, and yeah. they've come on, they played better, but the problem is the Spurs of, you know, as bad or as tough as their schedule has been, they pulled out a couple wins, including that one against the Bucks. They scored yeah. 87 in the first half against one of the top teams in the East and maybe one of the top teams in the league. I was like, where the hell did this come from? I was watching that game. I was like, Patty Mills, what's, what's going on? Are you playing the Australian national team right now? You sent me a text, like, and I can tell how heartbroken you were, okay? It was just, like, such a sigh. I was just like, why? Why did the Bucks just totally lay down in this one? Like, uh, by why? the way, let me point this out, okay? When it comes to the NBA schedule for Monday night and what happened, okay? There were six games, I believe, on tap. Okay, all the games, everybody, all 12 teams in those games scored more than 100 points. Your Cleveland Cavaliers had the lowest point, and I say your because that's your backyard, but the Cavs scored 102. That was the low point. We had games that included the Spurs beating the Bucks 146 to 125. The Trailblazers beat the Rockets 140 to 129. And the Hawks pulling out a 125, 124 win against the Wizards. And in that game, the Wiz scored 45 points in the fourth quarter to narrowly lose. Also, the Warriors beat the Jazz 119-116, a game in which Utah scored 41 in the fourth quarter. There were four games, four games that had at least one quarter with 40 or more points. The Blazers scored 50 in the first quarter against the Rockets. I know (laughs) you're trying to lay down, Houston, but... Try a little bit harder than that. That is crazy. 50, yeah. 50, that, that's that's a little much. I think it was CJ uh, McCollum that had 24 in the period. And um, by the way, the Rockets made that a close game. I really, uh, I don't know how it looks for guys like Kyrie Thomas and Armani Brooks going forward and what organization they end up with. But using this time and this opportunity to make the most out of, out of the, the chances that they've been been given, uh, it's admirable. I do. I do think that that's cool. And Houston has played a lot, uh, you know, like a, a lot more with heart and, uh, with a little bit of something to, to, you know, look forward to as a team, uh, going into to next season. And obviously you, you're going to want to pick, uh, that, that changes the franchise, but 
you know, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, just based on the, the on-court product, is definitely someone that you could look to to be uh, that guy. But they could get possibly another, quote-unquote, that guy uh, in this draft uh, that's coming up. I'd want them to look forward because um, I don't want them looking backwards at what is probably going to be a very, very bad James Harden trade that they executed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they, they pull off this, this move for Kevin Porter jr. And, and, you know, it softens the blow a bit, but we go back again to why they didn't try out Karis Levert and, and Jared Allen just to, to showcase their value and get some more back for that instead electing to go with Victor Oladipo and, you know, we know how that ended. I will say the Kelly Olenek back for Victor Oladipo has played very well. Uh, and his is, uh, you know, making himself look very, very enticing as a, a veteran player that's imagine, entering free agency. Yeah. Imagine if he got bought out the fight that would have got gone on for him. But yeah, like if he keeps playing like this, I mean, how much it's a, it's a dead free agents, free agent yeah. class. Like that's, that's big time that he's doing this right now because you never know what team's going to get desperate and overpay, you know? Oh, there's always going to be one. That's all it takes. It just takes one team, one desperate team to overpay and make somebody very, very happy. Got to use this cap space, right? <laughs> By the way, on a total different side note, and I know that like since we're getting down to the end of the NBA regular season and there's going to be awards coming out and we're going to, See, uh, you know, players go to first, second, third, all NBA teams. All that's going to be coming up, and we're going to be doing, you know, our picks for that coming up as well. But there, when it comes to money, there is something very valuable that's coming up here at the very end of the season. And that's because uh, there's one player in particular that is very interested in seeing if he's going to make an all-NBA team, and that would be Jason Tatum. Because here we are at the end of the season. And remember, it's the media that chooses who makes the all NBA teams, you know, first, second, and third team, those 15 players. Had literally controlling players' money. Like it's just, yes. it's, it's, it's an it's awful system. Ludicrous. Awful system. But if Jason Tatum makes one of those three all NBA teams, he will make $32 million more. Oh, 32 that's, million. That's one hell of a bonus. <laughs> You know, you could sit here and say like, oh, you know, NBA players are already making a lot. They're blessed. All these different things. And players will say that. 32 million is still a lot of scratch. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's like a whole, that's like a, like a new option. Like, and, and just think of all the different people that Tatum is fighting for to get on that team. Because right now, I don't think he'd make first or second. There's a chance he could make third. But there's other guys that he's got to be duking that out with. Um and, you know, the Celtics and their slide has not gone well. And, um, you know, now they're going to be with that Jalen Brown for the rest of the season as he's going to have surgery, which is a, a horrible blow. And just just a, another cherry on top of what has been just the season from hell for the Celtics. And, um, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with him here coming up in the playoffs. And they're probably going to be in a playing tournament and whatnot. But uh, they've gone through a lot. And then. You know, Tatum has been up and down with his play and um, he needs a strong finish if he wants to get on those. And and his agent needs to do some really good work and reaching out to some people if he wants to get on an all NBA team and make that extra money. Surely, surely. And uh, our Ethan Fuller did a great, great job detailing uh, what kind of season this has been for the Celtics, um, arguing that no one should put blame on the players that 
if you're going to lay blame on anybody, it's going to be three people. It's going to be Adam Silver for the season. It's going to be Danny Ainge for the, the roster that he had constructed and also, you know, expecting a team full of, uh, you know, low to mid 20 aged players to win now. And uh, also Brad Stevens, uh, just for uh, not preparing the guys, uh, not for getting them ready to play right off the bat. It's pretty crazy. Actually, uh, if you look at it, the stat that he used is the, the, um, the discrepancy between their first half rating and their second half rating. So over the last 15 games, the first half, the Boston Celtics are a negative net minus 6.7 per 100 possessions. Uh, in the second half, they are a plus 7.6 points per 100 possessions. So uh, that is a huge, huge difference uh, and shows that it takes a little time for them to wake up, which probably isn't a great thing. Um, it's, it's definitely difficult. Uh, I think the, another great nugget that he had in here uh, was that the, the Celtics have had a total of 183 games missed from their players, which that is a lot. Um, And on top of that, they lost Gordon Hayward for nothing in free agency. And at the time, considering Hayward and the struggles that he's had the last couple of years and, and plus with injuries, you never get on the right track. It seemed like, but it didn't seem like it was going to be that big of a loss. I mean, you don't like to lose an asset for nothing, but people kind of wondered what would happen. That has been a notable loss because one of the problems that Celtics have this year is there's too much one-on-one ball. The ball is not moving enough and there's not that extra person that does those intangibles and helping get the ball moving and the offense running smoother. Hayward was a big part of that and he's gone and you have seen their offense really go up and down all year long. It, it goes, it comes and goes with the Tatums and the, in the Browns. I mean, you can look at Kemba Walker too, who's had a better second half. Don't get me wrong. Oh, the last week um, or two, he's been yeah. averaging a ton of points, but I mean, it, it feels like the offense just has not been smooth there for the most part. And it's mm-hmm. more like, okay, now it's my turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's my turn. Now it's his turn kind of rather than a free flowing offense. Yep. And then, I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, we're not going to know, but they face the the heat in a rematch Tuesday night. Uh, they did fall on Sunday uh, after a late rally, uh, which coincides with the data that Ethan provided in his article, uh, but did fall short. So they are back of the heat currently, and uh, they're going to have to do some ground, you know, make up some ground quick because they're back by two games right now. If they lose to the heat uh, in the second match Tuesday night, then uh, you can pretty much pencil them in for a spot in that play in tournament. And even more so, um, you want to worry about if that's the case, you want to worry about the Hornets who are only two games back of the Celtics. And you think about home court advantage in the play in tournament. Uh, so something to keep an eye on in that race as well. I think as we're down to the final three or four games for each team, I feel pretty good about which teams are going to at least be in the top 10 in both conferences. Yeah. And who's going to get into the play in tournament. I agree. I mean, when you look at it, like the bulls, they made an effort, but they're not going to get in. Um, you know, Zach Levine being out for as long as he was and the struggle that they've had, they, they're not able to overcome that now, even though they've won three in a row, the Raptors with their ups and downs, they're not, they've lost three in a row. Now they're, they're definitely out of it. 
in the West, we talked about the Kings and, you know, the Pelicans, you know, are sitting there, but they're the 31 and 38. They're still two and hanging a half by a thread. They're, they're hanging by a thread, but now no Zion. So shout out to Jackson Hayes, by the way, my God, he's played so good the last two games. I, I was just watching him. He went three of three from, from deep uh, yesterday. Uh, and the defense he's been playing and just the, he's been playing with ferociousness. Um, hasn't, you know, he's usually, you know, decently like reckless with his body because he's a young kid that has a bunch of athleticism, but he's been playing a lot more under control. Uh, I, I think Stan's teachings are really getting through to him. Uh, I also like seeing the play of Najee Marshall and, uh, you know, Nicole, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kyra Lewis. They've got some fun, fun uh, young pieces on that team, uh, even with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram haven't been sidelined. Yeah, that and that's rough. I mean, you, you can't overcome that. <laughs> you just can't, you know. So, I mean, that's that's why I feel pretty good saying I think we know the ten. It's just what the jockeying is going to be for positioning and who's actually going to be in the playing tournament and and who's not. I think we're getting pretty close to locking down the top seeds in each conferences now too, because yeah. You know, the Sixers, they, they're red hot. They won eight in a row. They've separated themselves. They're three games ahead of the Nets. So they basically got the top seed in the East locked down, which is, that's a big deal um, for a variety of reasons, especially when it comes to potential opponents uh, coming up here. And then in the West, you know, the Jazz lost on Monday night, but, you know, so did the Suns. Um, they lost their last game, you know, lost a pretty important one to the Lakers on Sunday night. And, um, you know, the Jazz are a game and a half up, but they're they're pretty close to locking down that top seed in the West now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, great game, by the way, that that Lakers-Suns game. Just the, Especially because, you know, the Lakers got out in front. And by the way, I mean, we always talk, talk about your Lakers, but I have to say Anthony Davis has been tremendous. He tremendous was amazing. You know, last week. I would be I, very surprised if he didn't uh, win a player of the week if, if he continues to keep this up. When he scored that 42 and 12 in that game and carried that team and did it from, it was, it was vintage AD from doing it all over the court. The only thing that popped in my head afterwards was that gif of John wick saying, yeah, I think I'm back because that's basically <laughs> where we're at with Anthony Davis. You kept waiting for like the game before that he had a pretty big, a uh, good game as well. But you know, it's, it's kind of been gradually getting back his rhythm and, and getting his wind. And he was there. On Sunday night against the Suns, I mean, no LeBron, and um, that team was was hitting their threes too, um, and the Suns made it close, closer late. But for the most part, I mean, the Lakers were leading that game by you know anywhere from like thirteen to twenty points throughout. And they they just raced out ahead and just wouldn't let the Suns get back into it as close. I think they got back within like seven or something. Yeah, but. campaign man, campaign. I've yeah, I've enjoyed watching tough. him so much this season. It's just. It's it's been just he's such a good dude. Uh, I got to know him a little bit in Cleveland, but I actually met him uh, at summer league uh, before that. He, he's just such a, a grounded, uh, you know, humble, humble dude, and he is clearly healthy now. Um, just playing with such a swagger and a confidence about him. I I've told you multiple multiple times on this podcast how much I love the Suns bench, uh, and he is the maestro of it, and uh, got. The, the the starters that were playing awful back into that game and gave them a chance at least uh, in that ball game. So it, it's just been really fun to watch him. The explosiveness, uh, getting other guys involved. 
I love the play that he had against the the Knicks uh, a week ago where he stole the inbounds pass and got a uh, a bucket before the end of the quarter. And then the Suns ended up running away with it against the Knicks in their first matchup or their, their it was either their first or the second. I don't remember, but uh, really enjoying campaign playing uh, this year. And I think that, yeah, the Suns lost to the Lakers and probably not great, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really matter because the, the Clippers are, are still playing catch up. Utah is kind of starting to pull away, as you mentioned. So uh, in the grand scheme of things, probably doesn't matter, but could matter if they end up facing each other in the playoffs. That's what uh, I was going to say. How that goes. It matters if the Suns. As a preview. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it matters that the Suns end up as the two seed and the Lakers are the seven, which, you know, as we sit here right now, that's the way that it is. And we'll see. We've still got these last you know, three or four games for each team to go through. Um, and if the Lakers stayed in the seventh seed, you know, they still have to win a game in the playing tournament to remain at seven, but they could be facing the Suns in the first round. And, you know, if you're the Suns or the Jazz, say what you will. I mean, would you rather play Golden State, Memphis, San Antonio in the first round? Or would you rather face the Lakers? Well, it all has to happen. We, have, we don't know yet because of the play-in tournament. So, you know, yeah. it's like you even if you think you do have the Lakers, so like in the traditional sense, yes, they would have the Lakers and Utah would have the Warriors. Um, but Utah could get either the Lakers or the Warriors, and then Phoenix could get a any four of those. So it's like I mean and, and really that, tough to to um to you know project, but uh, I think nobody wants to play the Lakers, especially if LeBron is healthy. Right. And, and the, that's tough. LA is going to probably be the seven seed. The only way the Lakers can catch the Blazers is if the Lakers went four and oh, and the Blazers went oh and four in their final four because yeah. the Blazers have the tiebreaker against the Lakers. Yeah. So LA is basically locked into that seven. And I think that's another reason why. Um, as we sit here, we already know LeBron James is not going to be playing on Tuesday night. They said, you know what? He's feeling a lot better. He's cutting a lot better. And we did a practice, but just to be safe, he's not going to play against the Knicks. He'll play on Wednesday night against the Rockets. Now, okay, that might be, you know, a little bit of an easier game to play in, um, shall we say. But LA basically knows its fate. They're gonna they're gonna be in the seventh seed. Um, and you know what? Quite honestly. You don't want to tempt fate by being in a play-in tournament, but if they end up, you know, in that spot, they avoid the Clippers in the first round. And the Clippers have been a bit of a bugaboo for them. And I'm not saying that the Suns or the Jazz are cakewalks because they are absolutely not. You know, I mean, those are two of the best teams in all of the NBA. But I think the Lakers would look at those teams, especially Phoenix, and sit here and say, if we've got LeBron healthy and we've got AD healthy, I like that matchup. That's fair. Yeah, the Lakers don't want to see Jordan Clarkson when he's dropping 41 on guys, right? <laughs> Even though he did it on 33 shots. I'm not oh. going to lie. I, I saw that as soon as he got, I think it was, he had 14 shots up by half. I tweeted out then. I was like, JC's going to get 30 shots up tonight come hell or high water. And lo and behold, he put up 33. He was 0 for his first seven from deep. And he just kept shooting. He kept trying to score. But that late in the game, I like he it. just 
raced down the court and chucked a three and nailed it. And you're sitting there going, the pros and cons of JC here, man. I mean, six man of the year, Brian, six man of the year. We can have that conversation next week because um, I think that he has been the favorite for most of the year. There are some, uh, some stat nerds that would sit there and say, well, let's pump the brakes on that. But um, he's definitely in the conversation and probably going to win. You know, we, we marvel all the time over Steph Curry, but can I just say like over the last, over the last four games, he's scoring 28 a night and he's attempting over 10 threes a game and over 20 shots a game. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. This is the JC. I love, I know that his role is dra- dramatically changed when guy like, Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Conley's on the floor. And I guarantee you that efficiency Twitter hates, hates Jordan Clarkson's game, but I admire his game because he keeps playing and he knows who he is. Like you, what person would, would continue to shoot that, you know, that goes over eight for his first uh, three point attempts. Like who somebody that's uh, on a really, really bad team that just wants to get his shots up. Exactly. But Jordan Clarkson's different. Jordan Clarkson don't care. He had a really efficient game actually against the Spurs when they just, they killed him. He went 12 to 16 and scored 30. And that was on May 5th. Like he, he is such an enigma, but I love him and he's a great dude too. So like I root for guys like that. Yeah. And I know a lot of, a lot of people don't appreciate the, the, quote-unquote ball hog nature, but if other dudes aren't scoring, like Bogey didn't shoot particularly well from the field that night. Uh, Gobert was, didn't get going until the, the fourth quarter uh, inside. They just didn't have much to, to look to, and Clarkson said, okay, I'll take, the, I'll take it. I'll take the ball and score. And I will he, gave him, he gave him a lead with like a minute left to go in the game, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that, that's just that game in general. But that, that's a good point about uh, the, the seeding and stuff. Well, you look at the West right now because, like I said, the Jazz are almost locked into the top. Mm-hmm. Suns are a game and a half back. Could change, but I, I think we're probably pretty set there. Now, the three and the four, Clippers and Nuggets, only a game separates those two teams. Then you go down and you've got the Mavericks and the Blazers with only a half game separating them. I think that's going to be tough for the Blazers. Their schedule is a lot tougher um, than the Mavericks. Um, so the I think the Blazers are going to end up as the six and the Mavericks is the five, but that could change. And then, like I said, the Lakers are locked in at seven. You know, the Warriors and the Grizzlies, only a half game between them for the eight, nine. Um, it's the right to play the Lakers in the first, you know, play-in game. And then the other person's the other team's probably going to have to play the Spurs. But I mean, you can already see like these little blocks in the West where everything's kind of separated and you can see, you know, who's fighting with who for what spot, but it, it, I'm going to be curious to see how it plays out because, you know, you get the Lakers at seven, probably playing the Suns, and the winner of that would play, you know, the winner between say, say the Clippers and the Nuggets do their jobs, you know, as higher seats and they move on. That's that's a tough stretch right there because you've got between those four teams you got the Lakers the Suns either the Lakers or Suns would go on to the second round and you've got either the you know 
Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks. So, I mean, the Jazz having that top seed is going to be so much of an easier route to get to the Western Conference Finals. And that that's why you want that top seed, especially this year. Oh, for sure. And you you just control home court throughout in the in the event that you do get to the finals too. Like right. It's big I mean, time. Your, your schedule's just better because I mean, if the Warriors lock up that eight, I mean, yeah, you gotta play Steph Curry and you get to have those nervous nights of of watching that. But I'd rather do that than play some of the I mean, the only other one that maybe I'd want to play is Portland. But I mean, if you get past the Warriors, I still you know, can't I still can't stop thinking about the the situation if say it is LeBron versus Steph in the play playing playing tournament, right? Oh, yeah. And the Warriors win. So now they're the seven seed, right? Even if they have yep. a, a worse, re- worse record, they are the seven seed. That is how the tournament works. Then you have Utah LA. I think that is Utah's worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, I think so too. I mean, think of it. Like, I think that is Utah's worst I mean, nightmare. Like I said, I mean, I'm, it, it's not a given that the Lakers are being, but I mean, I think the Lakers, you know, with, with, you know, their healthy stars are probably everybody's going to be looking at going, Oh, they, they got to win now. But I mean, if you're Utah or you're Phoenix, you got to be sitting there going, Oh, good grief, man. Because like for Utah, that's a nightmare for their hopes and aspirations. Think of, think of your Chris Paul. I mean, Chris is going to love the challenge of it, but Chris is a guy that's always, you know, he has been in the league for so long and wanted to play in the NBA finals. And here they are, they could be matched up against, LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the defending champion Lakers in the first round. And it's like, they might not even get to the Western conference finals because they got to play this team that fell to this position and just happens to be the first round matchup. They might not get to the second round in the case. Right. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if you're and, and, and that's, Phoenix, as somebody like, who is an ardent supporter of the jazz and what they've been doing this year, I'm just, if it's, if, if I'm saying that these other teams need time to, you know, have chemistry and, and get going and stuff like that. I'm still waiting on Donovan Mitchell to come back. I'm still waiting on Mike Conley to, to be playing in these games. Like that's important at the end of the season. The only teams that have stayed healthy are like the Suns, right? You can argue the Sixers, even though they went through that rough patch in the middle of the season, like uh, the Bucks, you can say have stayed yeah. healthy. Like I'm just trying to think of the top tier teams that have actually not had a a break in their chemistry or in their, their roster, because it's really hard to name any other than the Suns, maybe the Sixers and the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers did lose Joel Embiid for right. Yeah. Weeks. That's the mid season. And then you had but, Ben Simmons you know, who missed a good handful of games, but I mean, Tobias Harris and, and Ben Simmons picked up their game enough to where they could weather the storm there. So he, it was a little bit different, but I mean, think of some of the matchups that are going to be happening here from the standpoint, like, you can get Nuggets Mavericks in the first round or, you know, Clippers Blazers. I think the Clippers would be happy with that. I think the Clippers would, they would, they'd be like, Hey, if we somehow faced the Lakers in the first round, they would have been cool with that. Um, I don't think the Lakers necessarily wanted that matchup in the first round, um, but I don't think it's going to happen now, but like, Clippers, I, I don't think they'd be too worried about the Blazers. That, that should be a series they win, but Nuggets Mavericks, that that's a real rough and tumble one right there. And then, like I said, to see all those teams that are going to be coming out in those middle numbers, you know, in the West, yeah, going from the second round to beyond, um, that's a tough hoe. Because I like even if the Lakers say they play the Suns, 
Okay, say say the Lakers win that. Okay, that means they're going to have to probably play Clippers, Nuggets, or Mavericks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's not easy. Uh, I, you if you want to talk about ones that I would like to see, I'd like to see Portland as the fifth seed if possible, because then we get that oh so familiar Clippers Dallas rivalry uh, continued from last season. Um, I think that Portland and Denver would match up very well with each other and Denver would still have a, a, you know, a good chance of winning that, but Portland, you couldn't count them out either because of, you know, the nuggets injuries. So that would be a compelling matchup right off the bat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Phoenix, LA and, and Utah will say golden state or maybe Memphis. That'd be cool. I, we, we talked about this too, a few weeks ago, how Utah and Memphis would be a perfect old school first yeah. round matchup. Like that'd be so fun, I'd but also what, that's, that's leaving Steph out of the playoffs, which is no fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the other team that is, is going to be a little bit of a nightmare. I think to play, especially we're in the playoffs. I don't think you want to play the Mavericks in the West just because what's Luca going to pull out. <laughs> What what it's is true. Luca going to? I mean, a nut tap. Do you, do you really? Th- well, <laughs> there's that too. But I mean, if you're the Clippers, I mean, do you want to see them again for revenge, or are you like, oh, this guy? Here we go. You know, I mean, that's that's a good matchup. That's a good back and forth matchup between those two teams. They match up great. And Timmy Hardaway's heating up right in time for the playoffs. He's been continued to to put the ball in the bucket, which is absolutely necessary. Jalen Brunson playing well as, as well. Um, you know, they still haven't been playing with KP too. And we, we haven't forgot about that. Yeah. KP hasn't played. Um, I'll look it up right now. I don't think he's played for a while now. He's it's he hasn't been played at least three weeks, right? Uh, he hasn't played since April 29th, but yeah. sandwiched in between. That was the game that he came back and then they, they held him out again. So okay. if he didn't play on the 29th, he, the last time he would have played was the 22nd. Yeah. So, well, yeah. just imagine this right now, if everything stays the way it is, the first playing game in the West is the Lakers against the Warriors. I know, man. It's a what five a star. game. Dude, you realize that's Steph versus LeBron part five. Like that's awesome. That's how they exactly uh, should market it too. I mean, the Lakers are sitting and going, cool, we get to play another game for chemistry because, you know, our coach says, hey, that's not going to hurt. You know, we got to come together here and LeBron's going to be back and AD and everything, which, cool. And then the guards on the team are going, wait, we got to chase Steph around for 40 minutes? <laughs> you know, what's he going to play? 40, 45 minutes? We got to chase this dude around the court and come away with the win to lock down the seven? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, matchups in the East. Let's go there. And then um, we'll hit the the bottom. Yeah. I mean, well, that's another one where you want to be that, that top seed. And it's going to be, I think so much more advantageous for the Sixers because that means you would home not court, have- man home court. And did you see Daryl Morey today saying that he, w- he wanted to bring Sam Hinky back <laughs> to, to ring the bell. <laughs> you see that? That's fantastic. I love that. Do it. Uh, right. Do it. I mean, but I mean, if you're the Sixers, that means you would not have to play the Nets or the Bucks until the Eastern Conference Finals. Like your road to get there wouldn't be as tough unless it's still tough game. with, say, the Knicks or maybe, you, you know, the, the Knicks, Hawks, 
that's difficult. But it's easier than the Nets or the Bucks. You it know, is. it is. Like, it is. You know, yes. I mean, uh, once again, I mean, the Nets and the Bucks, they only have a game in between them. So you're still jockeying between two and three. Mm-hmm. And then the four and five and the six is still up in the air with the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Heat. Only a Miami starting to find something, too. Dude, oh, man, that's a bad matchup. Jimmy Butler has played fantastically well, especially in the second half. You know, his efficiency is through the roof. Tyler Hero has started to play good over like the last week or so. Dragon. Dragon looks like Dragon again. So, you know, I mean, he's finally waking up. The the Heat could legitimately go from where they've been all season, like ups and downs, and maybe they're going to be in the play. three wins away from 40. That, what the hell? They where they the come four from? Seed. They might end up as the four seed. Like, where the hell do they come from, Brian? I, <laughs> like, I, I Every time I want to say that's it, I'm done with them. It's just like they come back. I mean, it's a freaking yeah. zombie team out there. You know, the Celtics now, they're they're really tough. I mean, they're, they're going to be in the playing tournament. I They're two games behind the Heat. I don't see them digging out of that with, you know, with no Jalen Brown, four games left. They've had their struggles. They've had a couple of winnable games this week that they have blown. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, even if they're the seven, I mean, I don't think they'd fall to the eight. I mean, they still got a two-game lead against the Hornets, but they could. But, I mean, uh, if you look at the Celtics, say the Celtics and the Hornets play right now to see who's going to get that seven seed. I I don't like Boston's chances. And then if Boston then had to take on, say, the Wizards to see who's going to get the eight, I I think Boston might not even make the playoffs. I think they might be in the tournament now. That'd be wild. That'd be wild. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. Because that's struggling offense versus struggling defense. Who wins that? <laughs> the Wizards' defense has not been too bad, quite no, honestly. No, no, it hasn't. Look, it hasn't. It's been better. I mean, they didn't show it the other night, you know, but before that, for like uh, for a couple-week period, it's actually been pretty good. They it's need been- Brad back. They need Brad back. Of course they do. I mean, And we we do have to hit on, on Russ. I mean, that to to be able to accomplish what he did and, you know, all that that stuff that came with it. I just love the all the players and, and his family that were, th- you know, thanking him and, and, and basically congratulating him on the, the accomplishment that he had. They had Oscar Robertson, give him a message, LeBron James, Bradley Beal. Um, you, you know, you had, you know, his entire Did family, his, his, his brother. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Did he give his him brother, a cupcake? His, his brother, Ray, um, I believe his wife, um, his mom his was father. Yeah, his mom it was, was a really very cool. fashionable hat, so you can see where the fashion comes from. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, absolutely, uh, awesome, awesome, awesome accomplishment. But as far as the uh, the team goes, like they need Brad back. Uh, Bertans is, is very hit or miss, but he's been hit lately. You know, he was uh, missing the entire game until the fourth quarter, and then he's like, "Time to turn it on." <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I mean, him and Russ brought him back in that game. Yep, yep, he, he did. sure did. And, uh, he you almost know, pulled it out. You have the likes of like Raul Neto and you have, you know, Ish Smith off the bench who have done a very good job uh, of just kind of being that, that calming factor and that organizing factor. Um, the bigs, I love the the set of bigs that they have one Robin Lopez, just as a veteran, probably going to get playing time in the playoffs. But you think about Daniel Gafford and Daniel Gafford is somebody who I had the chance to talk to. Uh, for a good half hour and and really got to know the kid. Very, very down-to-earth guy, but also extremely honest and uh, a, a real, real person. Like, 
he he ain't gonna cut anything out. Like there's there's no there's no uh, BSing with him. He's he's very very um, believing in himself. Yeah. And uh, but he's been a great story. Oh, an excellent story. An excellent story. Um, he 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 really g- gave us some good good insight uh, on the team. You know him from high school being the athlete that he is because he's on a Sports Center top ten seemingly every other night. You know, like he's just an athletic powerhouse. Like it's a crazy combination. Um, he still can get stronger. He's he's always had the ability to jump out of the building. But he's he's talking about trying to you know work on his skill set going forward and stuff like that. So if you want to check out that feature, that's on BasketballNews.com. Um, and I wrote that one uh, yesterday. Uh, that being Monday, since we're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, but it, it was a really fun story to put together, and and you know, not even withstanding the plug, I think that Gafford is a game-changing player for this team, and, and an extreme ball hawk. Like, just look at the the rebound that that he got to even get Russell Westbrook that opportunity to to chuck that three. Go watch that back. He ripped that out of, I believe it was Clint Capella's hand. And Capella is one of the craziest rebounders we have in our game. Um, you look at the game that they lost to the Bucks. Uh, he he missed a a point blanker, but offensive rebounded twice in one possession. Like he is just all over the place, and and really makes a huge difference in providing second chance opportunities and also providing them opportunities in transition. Which with the Wizards, you do not want to see them running. Because they are no. getting a bucket every single time with Russ leading that break. You look at that East, though, and we we talk about like how tight these teams are bunched up right now. If you are Milwaukee or Brooklyn, you want that two seed because that means you're going to face somebody from that playing tournament. If you're the three, you are going to have to face either the Knicks, the Hawks, or the Heat in the first round. That's tough. You, you don't want that. No, nah. out of those three, out of those three, I would pick Atlanta um, th- that I would want to face least or face face most. I would say the Knicks. Okay. Explain. At- Atlanta's offense is just so strong. I wonder if the Knicks are going to have trouble getting some buckets, you know, um, even though they play as hard or harder than anybody else in the league. And, you know, Tibbs is going to be, you know, up their wazoo on every possession. How but awesome would it if it, if it stand if it stood like this? How awesome would it be to see Tibbs versus Nate McMillan? This is like oh. two two very old school rugged head coaches. Like yeah, it's it's such a match made in heaven. But also look at Bucks and the Heat in the first round. I mean, I mean revisit it right away. You know, all eyes would be on that series. Well, look at the pressure that would be on Milwaukee from the standpoint of the pressure on Giannis. Well, yeah, but I mean, how many times like. This is the third year in a row where we think we got a good chance if you're the Bucks of making it to the finals. And remember all the pressure going into last offseason, too, and they, they took care of that. Now, we got Giannis locked up. Well, what's the next step? we got to get to the finals. we got to get to the finals. And, you know, two years ago, Toronto tripped them up. Last year, it was Miami. And here we go again, possibly with Miami in the first round, a Miami Heat team that's finally healthy, finally getting their chemistry, putting it together. Jimmy Butler's playing fantastic basketball. Duncan Ty- Robinson's shooting the lights out again. Like- I mentioned Tyler Hero's struggles all year, and now he's starting to come on. And it's Bam's like- close to defensive player of the year candidate. Like- right. And it's like, that's the last team you want to face in the first round. So there's incentive 
for both Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Because if Brooklyn fell to that third seed, I mean, say what you want about their offensive firepower. You you don't want a piece of that in the first round. You want an easier matchup. So those two teams, I would think, are not going to be taking it easy down the stretch. And they've got to play all other guys, and they got to rack up some wins and trying to lock up that two seed. Oh, yeah. And and what a matchup that would be, by the way, if the Milwaukee could do that. If 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 it, if Milwaukee could get that number two seed, Brooklyn and Miami. Oh, that first is round, a great matchup, dude. Miami would go in there with Jimmy Butler leading the way with such a chip on their shoulder, going, "Oh, everybody wants to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, everybody wants to talk about Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving, and oh, they're the favorites to come out of the East. And look at all the firepower and the offense we've never seen before in the NBA." Oh, when we're just the Miami Heat. Jimmy would eat it up. Jimmy would eat it up. He already already took enough pride trying to take down two superstars on one team. Granted, three. You know how much of a chip on Jimmy's shoulder there would be? Jimmy would would love it. Oh, my gosh. So much like, oh, oh, you think you're just going to cakewalk over us? He'll give you that head nod. He'll give you that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But I think. Milwaukee is is going to pray if they don't get that that two seed that Jason Tatum goes scorched earth and Boston can surpass Miami to to get to that play. Well, but that I starts mean, that starts with Tuesday night or else uh, that dream's dead. Otherwise, you have to root for Atlanta to lose and for Miami to get to that fifth seed. Or I mean, even the Knicks. I mean, to go to fall in that spot too, because like like I said, between the Knicks, Hawks, and Heat, there's only a game that separates. You know, those right. three. And, right. you know, the Knicks are out west to play the Lakers, who the Lakers, they're going to play hard. But, I mean, like I said, no LeBron. They're pretty much locked into that seven seed. I think they want – they're going to keep trying, though, because they they want to, you know, get the ball rolling in the, the right direction for them. They want to get wins. They want to keep going with the team chemistry. They want to build off of the win the other night against the Suns kind of a thing. So, of course, yeah, I don't think – you know, they're going to be you know, dogging any, you know, when it comes to their lineup. And I think AD is going to be racking up. I don't know if he's going to play 42 minutes like he did the other night or whatever it was, but um, he'll play lots of minutes and the offense is going to be rolling through him again. For sure. For sure. Okay. I think we, we dove into that playoff pretty well. So let's go and transition to something that you wanted to talk about. And we're going to go to the tank commander, Mr. Brian Fritz, for what the standings are in the race for the lottery. The race for the lottery, man. That that feels like something that should be like a big graphic on the nightly news, right? So like when there's something going on, race for the lottery, you know? Um, there is quite the race going on right now because for you look at the lottery odds, the worst two teams share the best percentage of winning the draft lottery. Then the next, then the team at third has a slight drop off as well. Um, And I believe four is there as well. Um, But then there's a bigger drop off when it comes to five and whatnot. So you want to be one of the worst four teams, probably want to be one of the worst three teams, quite honestly. So right now, Houston's got locked up. That's, that's a done deal. The Rockets said, you know, we're, we're planting our flag here. We're going to have the worst record in the NBA. That's done. But we do have a fight between five other teams 
for those worst spots to join the the Rockets to have the best chance of winning the uh, draft lottery. The Pistons are 20 and 49, and then a logjam of the Cavs, the Thunder, the Magic, and the Timberwolves, each with 21 wins. Mind you, that pick would go to the Warriors, by the way, from Minnesota. Yes, if it's not, what is it, top four protected? I cannot remember off the top of my head, but if the, the standings were like that, if that was what the lottery ended up being, then the Warriors would get that pick, which is. It's incredible. <sighs> it's so Go, funny. Oh, here um, it is. Um, let's see. It is top three protected. There you go. There you go. And by the way, the Timberwolves have been playing better basketball lately. They have. They have. I actually wanted to say that. Anthony Edwards making that late season push for rookie of the year, baby. Let's do it. Oh, man. Can you imagine Let's the Warriors it. and get number the fourth overall pick in a draft that's loaded five deep? I mean, five deep when it comes to potential superstars, when it comes right. to the top lottery players. So, very much. I so. mean, it, I mean, there's a fight that's going on. I mean, if you're sitting there, you're Orlando. I mean, You'd like to have like the best odds possible. And remember with Orlando too. I mean, they've been playing better. I mean, I know they, they just they got play, smacked they up. Do, they play hard. But, I but, mean, yeah, they could get Chicago's pick as well. That's crazy, man. You, you could have two top 10 picks. How about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. How about it? How about I it? I mean, they, they definitely want that, but I mean, there, there is a drop off when it comes to like the top, you know, the worst four whatever um, by about, Four percent. It's it's quite large. It's there's there's new- no there's the Toronto can't make up any ground on no. the the wolves, uh, and that's the closest. Yeah, the it is a log jam from two to six. Um, the Cavs have lost the most in a row. They've lost eleven in a row. Um, can I the, give you a stat that I saw from the other night? Go for it. This comes from and I. I apologize. I can't remember who exactly had it. It might have been Kevin Pelton, but somebody at ESPN. In the last, I believe it's 25 games, the Oklahoma City Thunder have lost by 499 points, I want to say, 498. Yeah, that that went south quickly. Remember, what it was not that long ago. It was like, two two and a half months ago where i was talking about how much i loved like what they had going there but then they benched everybody they benched everybody and then they also got hurt shea gilgis alexander um he's got the worst case of uh you know whatever's wrong with his foot you know uh fasitis yeah player fasitis ever so they've kept him on the bench they're saving him for team canada for the olympics they told al horford to go fishing um, Lou Dort only plays every other game. It does. Just, oh, you had a good game. I think your foot's hurting, or you got a calf problem, or something. So that that's an average of a twenty point loss. Darius Baisley. Can you like, imagine that? You know? I mean, not just losing, but losing by twenty points on average per night for a twenty five game stretch. Oh, and by the way, in that stretch, they have not lost every game. They won a couple, including a game in Boston against the Celtics. <sighs> That just goes further to the point that we were talking about earlier. But um, how is that possible? I have no idea. No idea. Uh, how, but how is that? Po- but I mean, you look at, I mean, the Cavaliers are sitting there going, hey, everybody, um, we think we got a pretty good shot at Tank. I mean, they've lost 11 in a row now. And then the Thunder, they've lost seven. Um, you know, 
the magic they play hard they're they've lost three in a row now but it's like um rj hampton cole anthony the yeah. resurgence of mo bamba they're in games like, a little bit more the yeah. t-wolves are definitely in games the t-wolves have actually won six of their last 10 you know the pistons they're trying hard to lose at this point so We'll see. It's a, it's a little bit of a death match to see like who can end up with those worst records. I, I, I think the magic and the, the, the T wolves, they're going to have a hard time getting in there, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see when it comes to like between the thunder, the thunder thought they had it locked up early on and like they tried too hard for too long, I guess. And the Cavaliers just came, the Cavs, the Cavs came from, screaming back because they lost their starting point card. Correct me if I'm That's wrong. That's exactly what happened. The Cavs only have nine players suited up right now. They had eight last night. Okay, and <laughs> let me throw this one out there. What, considering that you follow the Cavaliers a lot closer to me because that's in your backyard. Can you explain to me? Now, mind you, I could probably explain it, but tell me what the experience is like in seeing, and I like this guy. He's one of the great guys in the NBA. I know what you're going to say. What is it like seeing Anderson Varejao who has not played team basketball in or organized basketball in two years, not only come back for the Cavs in the stretch run, he played 20 minutes against the Mavericks the other night. And after the game, I believe he said, it's the first time I played five on five ball in two years and was shocked that he actually felt as good as he did after the game. Yeah, uh, so there's multiple viewpoints on this one. <laughs> there's multiple viewpoints. It's great and seeing a, a Cavaliers legend come back, right? I see why uh, local fans are not pleased with the quote-unquote public relations of this. I oh, also from the see, standpoint that like don't pay attention that we're tanking and we're bringing back Andy Verjao so you can watch this guy end his career in a Cavs uniform? Precisely. Who's, who's a very, very likable guy. I mean, he's very much he's, so. Yeah. And he's, he's made his home here and stuff like that. And it's no secret that his time in this city did not come to a great close. So they wanted to mend those fences, right? Sure. That being said, 20 minutes against the Mavericks, Spencer. I know. I know. But that's also because the Mavericks were smacking them up. So <laughs> um, here's my thing. It doesn't do the team any harm. It's a 10-day contract. They didn't have to cut anybody because it was a hardship, hardship exception, right? It's something that will not stunt the growth of any youth. It will actually improve it. Maybe they're thinking to themselves, hell, we haven't had veteran leadership this year, so let's bring in somebody that will for the last 10 games. Maybe it's, it's something that they want to see somebody leading by example, are you really uh, looking again, for veteran leadership down the stretch of a season you're trying to tank? Uh, maybe to improve some sort of vibes because the doom and gloom that's surrounding this team is ridiculous right now, especially by media members that don't cover the team. Wink, don't wink. you want to get into the, the role of like, let's get our lottery mojo back where we won three out of four years? Uh, they, they, they've gotten the fifth pick, the fifth pick and the eighth pick in the last three years. And it hasn't make a damn well, difference. They've got to pay for this. You know, they, they cashed in with those three number ones out of four years. And mind you, it was almost three in a row. If you remember, because remember they got, it, uh, it was a one, a one, a, I can't remember what the next one was. And then they won it again, but the year that they did not win. That was Anthony Davis's year. That was the Anthony Davis year because Dion waiters was the pick. I right. Know. 
because they had a coin flip to decide who was going to get the extra lottery ball. Oh yeah. And I believe the Cavs actually won that, but it was the, the Pelicans were at the time, the Hornets um, who won, who, um, because they, they jumped up and they because did. they jumped up, they got AD. They did. And if the Cavs <laughs> had gotten AD, um, they would not have gotten the number one overall pick the following year because he would have made them and, too good. For that yep. Game. And they wouldn't have had the chance to select Anthony Bennett or then the year Ooh. after that select Andrew Wiggins. Ooh. Although Andrew Wiggins did get them Kevin Love. Uh, but I digress. At the same time, back to this Virajau deal. It's not making any difference. It's not making a difference in a positive way or a negative way. And yeah. if you want to look at it from, from the, the lens of how you could look at it positively, it is just leading by example, showing leadership and telling them what it meant to be a Cavalier, right? It's not taking away minutes from Fiondu Cabangeli, who's shown a little something. It's not taking minutes away from Isaiah Hartenstein, who had a concussion and also hasn't played very much lately because he's been hurt. Uh, it's not taking away minutes from Jarrett Allen. They actually had a line. <laughs> they actually had a lineup out there of Jarrett Allen and Anderson Parrishow together. Wow. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, no. Uh, but it's harmless having Andy out there. It just, it's harmless. It's just this weird anomaly that's going on. And just because I, the argument from a lot of the people that were talking about Anderson, oh, give someone a young a young player a chance to what play out there. That's a big like like lineup. Like they're not playing Dean Wade, like they're not playing Jeremiah Martin, like they're not playing, you know, Lamar Stevens. They're playing young guys. They, what's the quota on G League talent that's coming up on two-way contracts and 10-day contracts? They've they've hit it. So it's not like adding another one to the mix would have made a damn difference. Right. So that's that's my point to that one. But there's I understand why it's annoying to see it. And and it's almost like, hey, look over here while the, the sky is falling over here. I think but it's funny, quite honestly. Truly, 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 it does not make a damn difference. It does. And also, and also, if we're going to talk about this, the Cavs have won, uh, you know, lost 11 in a row. They have surpassed the total of wins that they had all last season. And then it went drastically down once Darius Garland got hurt. And it sucks that his season came to a premature end because he's, truly grooming himself into an all-star caliber player in my eyes. The, the evaluation of this team for the past two weeks, it shouldn't exist. It's not the team. And that, and that's my overall point. You got guys, you know, you got teams like the magic that are out here playing guys who actually are a part of their young core and look decent. The Cavs, they're throwing out, They've got two starters that are healthy or three I mean, starters. Sorry. Three starters. My bad. And then by the by, yeah. by the by, Isaac Okoro looked damn good against the Pacers on Monday. And he looked damn good against the best team in the NBA. One of the best teams in the NBA in the Suns. He looked great in those games. If they were healthy and they brought back Verizhao to play solid minutes, then I think he could have a problem with that. And, and I even understand the point about like, Hey, we're trying to mend some fences and we already know we're out of it. So we're going to bring him back, but like to bring him back and then give him these many minutes, if they were healthy, that would be a mistake, obviously, but because they're doing it the way they are, it is what it is. Right. Sorry. I didn't mention Brod Broderick Thomas either. That's another uh, guy who was a, from a D two school, Played for the Raptors G League team, and then they ended up signing him to a two-way contract. So there's another guy. Like I said, they've hit the quota, guys. It's okay. 
to have uh, a, a, a old player from the past for some feel good moments. It's okay. Not everything has to be negative all the time. That's, that's my, my rant on the team there. And I will say this too. I do think that they have legitimate NBA players. They just need to say damn healthy. I think they're decently deep. You know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Kevin Love. He'll probably be gone in the offseason if Kobe Altman can find a way to, to, to get him out of there because clearly the things aren't going well. But Jared Allen, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Guarantee he's probably going to get a, uh, a pretty penny getting paid from the Cavs, right? But those are your core four. Those are your core four. Then you got a guy off the bench like Torian Prince. You have Larry Nash Jr., who was in and out, in and out this year. Isaiah Hartenstein showed some promise. Dean Wade has shown a lot of promise. Like, they've got guys. They just haven't all been healthy once at the same time. I think they've had, like, five games. Like, it's stupid. So it's stupid to evaluate the team as if that's what they are. But when you continue to see Ellis in the scoring column, <laughs> that's, that's what kind of makes that judgment happen. So we're coming down to the stretch of the regular season here. Sunday is the last day. The NBA has stated that they want all of the games starting between, was it 12 and 12 and three 30, and, and, and that's so there can't be some unfair thing of like, Oh, we already know where our position is and we're playing at night. So we're not going to play any starters and it, it's kind of this thing that we've seen. The NFL has done this in some ways. It's definitely done over in uh, European soccer leagues where they do this. It's, it's going to be like this wild final day, especially if there are definitely, and I expect there to be some playoff seating positioning on the line. What about the back-to-backs? And I think that's an issue that someone's going to have, right? If, if someone plays at 7 p.m. the night before. You mean like... And uh, they have well, to pay, you know... That's why the games on Saturday are also TBD. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to afternoon, afternoon. Yeah. I think they'll move those up. So they'll they'll stagger it enough, Um, but it's going to be a wild finish because on that last day, all 30 teams are going to be playing. There are meaningful games that are going to be in there. Got 15, 15 TVs, Brian, or are we only going to need probably about eight? Well, I mean, it would be cool to have eight. I have, <laughs> let's say I got my big one in the living room. I've got another one I could put there. I've got my computer. I've got another computer. I got my phone. There's five. So, bro, it goes back. It goes back to the red zone conversation that we had. One of the first episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Remember that? Hey. NBA, come up with red zone. Come on. You can do it. We need an NBA red zone. That we would do. be but I mean, do you like this idea of what they're doing at the end? Of the- I, I like it. I mean, I know it's going to be tough to watch it all, but I like it. It, I like it. It's just as a journalist and as someone who needs to pay attention to the NBA, I don't know how the hell I'm going to keep up with every game. I'm not going to know the individual scores and individual box scores and stuff like that. I'm going to have to hop around, hop around, hop around, hop around. But they need to do it like red zone. They like or like um, what you see during the NCAA tournament, the end of the first like first day where they're like, let's go to this game because it's still close. You know, they, yeah. that's what NBA TV. I hope that they can do that. Is they can <laughs> show like a, the, that's on games. steroids though, dude. Like Bounce there's around. four games. There's four games at once in the NCAA tournament. This is, this is 15 at once. But I mean, you might have a couple of blowout games. You might have a couple of games yeah. like out of reach, but you get down to final two minutes and say there's three games that are within five points, right? 
Let's go here. Oh, they're in a timeout. Let's take you to there. Oh, there, you know, whatever there. Let's take you to this one. You know, where's just, Cleveland native Andrew Siciliano when you need him for the NBA? Yeah, let's bring you him go. on. Let's bounce it around, man. Let's let's do it. So what oh, a job that would be. Also, we have uh, we have some breaking news, a little bit of breaking news. So um Mark Stein tweeted out that NBA veteran Aaron Afalo, who is heading an ownership group that has pursued the Timberwolves for 10 months, has told the New York Times he plans to launch a renewed purchase now that Glenn Taylor's exclusive negotiating window with Mark Allure and Alex Rodriguez has expired. Look at that. Trying to get on, trying to get on now that A-Rod's out, right? Is yeah. that is that, that what Aaron's doing? He's Basically, trying to, well, to strike while the iron's hot. Well, as Simon says, uh, the expired 30-day window for Lauren Rodriguez to buy the T-Wolves does not rule out uh, them from closing a deal. But Taylor announced April 10th he intended to sell the team to A-Rod's group. Rodriguez attended the Wolves' recent game Miami, but the ex- expiration of the exclusivity window also means other groups like Aflalos may see a lane to re-emerge. The Aflalo-led bid for the Wolves surfaced in September after a similar exclusivity window with former Grizzlies minor, minority owner Daniel Strauss expired with no deal. So basically so this is an auction then. Yeah, well basically they you know A-Rod and Lore don't have an exclusive negotiating window and others can get in now. Um so everybody's jumping in going come on. I got their offer versus their offer versus their offer. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. Do hey, you it, do you think it hurts now that A-Rod doesn't have J-Lo to help? Uh, I'm not going to go there. Come on, Benifer is back. Benifer is back. Come on. I saw that. I saw that. I'm not. I will not. not Love is not lost. I will not dive into other people's relationships. This is not gossip. What is gossip is Kent Bazemore (laughs) and Bradley Beal. Kent Bazemore coming outright saying 49. It's one of my minutes. Damn. We got other guys out here, you know, fixed up hamstrings and everything trying to catch up. And Bradley Beal got so mad, so mad. He went on this huge Twitter spiel. I have that detailed on basketballnews.com if you missed that drama. That's that's all on the website. I see why people are, are up in arms about a player like Kent Bazemore who's not an all-star who's somebody who's a, you know, more of a role player uh, that <laughs> got the business from NBA Twitter, let's say. Um, and Kamaya, Kamaya, Kamaya definitely <laughs> gave it to him as well. Uh, but I, I think that Brad clarified it pretty well this morning on ESPN's first take uh, talking about how he didn't like the comment and make it doesn't like the jokes about that and to keep it basketball. So but NBA is going to NBA, right? Well, I think you get upset when you call out. I think you probably looked at it as like, he's calling out my manly, my manhood, you know, from a standpoint of don't tell me what injuries are real or what ones you can play through or not. That's and a really good point. Everybody is different, you know? And it's like, Hey, just because somebody has a, a hamstring injury, some can be very serious. Some not don't try to act like I'm not going to play through an injury or I'm dogging it because I've talked with, you know, my team physicians, I talk with my coaches and I'm going to sit for a couple of games. You don't think Bradley Beal wants to be out there and going toe to toe with Steph Curry to see who's going to win the, the scoring, uh, you know, title for the season. Right. Of course. I mean, 
I think it's great that they've been going back and forth. Steph Curry even flat out said he's watching box scores because he wants to win it. Like they're going for it. It's not like he, oh, B- not Beal dropped attention. 50 and then the same night there yeah. came Steph 49 well, in three well, quarters. Well, Steph put up 24 the first quarter. I mean, yep. this is great that guys actually care about it and talk about it. Cause so many times we get this whole, Oh, I'm not looking at his box score. I'm just trying to help my team and do its right. But no, they're coming out. They're like, I want to win it. I'm going to beat that guy. What do you put up? I'm going to be, I'm going to best that tonight. That's awesome. It is. I, I, and I do love that competition. It's great. It's great. All right. Well, I think we talked each other's ears off today. Don't you? Oh, I'm sure I talked your ears off. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Keep it at 94 is a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to leave a review, like us, subscribe to us, give us a comment, interact with us. We're fun. We don't bite. <laughs> We're a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. As I was saying, the Rex Chapman show with Josh Hopkins. They just had Candace Parker on. So that's a great guest. Nate and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss. The Pose Cast with James Posey. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. The Rematch with Atan Thomas. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. One of the hottest podcasts out there. Make sure you go listen to that. Especially if you're a basketball nerd because they're going to definitely tickle your fancy. The Alex Kennedy Podcast. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. And of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Alex Kennedy and a ton, a ton, a ton of guests in the crypto world and also the NBA world. He's had Rudy Gobert, Trey Jones, guys like that on his podcast before. Mark Cuban was one of his guests uh, about a month ago, so make sure you check that out as well. Basketballnews.com, we've got a ton of content up for you, and it's, it's just, it's really great, honestly. I'm not just saying that because it's a plug. I'm saying it because it's, it's just great stuff. Uh, Daniel Gafford, the interview that him and I did uh, talking about the Wizards, um, how he got to this point, what the trade deadline was like for him. Um, Ethan Fuller, again, great article on the Celtics on how they should not be placing any blame on the players uh, for the season that they've had. A detailed, detailed description of that Bradley Beal, Kent Bazemore beef that we just talked about. And Moke Hamilton did a great, great article on why no one would want to see the Knicks in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And I believe he talked to a league source about that. So see what those comments are about. Again, that's basketballnews.com. Great, great website, full of content, interesting ideas. And of course, we actually have a uh, explaining the 2021 NBA play-in tournament structure. If you are a little confused about that, we've got that right for you on the homepage. So you're not confused anymore. But that's going to wrap it up for us here at Keeping It 94. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am also on Instagram at Spin Davies, but he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Till next time, when the playoffs and playing are going to get started, we're not going to hear from, we're not going to talk to you again until the regular season is over. We've reached that time of year, folks. Stay locked in. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs>